This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Every day is the Sabbath day for me. Every day is a day of rest for me. Even if I work, I work with a peace in my heart because my spirit is resting. It's resting on Jesus. My spirit is resting because I have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's done the work. He's the one sitting at the right hand of the Father. I have no concerns. I am resting in my spirit, though I may be working and the sweat of my brow is just pouring down. I live in rest and in peace. It is important to take the time to meet together and have a dedicated time of rest. We should make it a priority, but our salvation is not dependent on whether we make it to church every Sunday. We need that time of fellowship and accountability, but as Pastor Eddie reminds us in today's message, our rest is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can live in fellowship with Him every day of the week. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. rest is not in a day. Our rest is in Jesus Christ. Because, praise God, the tomb is empty. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And therefore, every day for me is a day of rest because I'm at peace with God. That's why there's a rest. I'm at peace with God. There's peace in my heart, peace in my spirit, because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Jesus made a way where there wasn't a way. So the Old Testament, the the, the children of Israel, they couldn't rest. That's why there was no chair in the Holy of Holies. The only piece of furniture was the Ark of the Covenant. There was no chair in the Holy of Holies because the priests couldn't even sit down. There is no rest. They have to do all these things as a picture of the Lord and what's in heaven. And in Hebrew tells us that though there was a temple built, uh, the Lord instructed, instructed Moses to build, there was a temple there in the Holy of Holies. There's no chair. But there is a Holy of Holies in heaven where there is a chair. And Jesus sits down because the work has been done. Tell us die. It is finished. So the Holy of Holies in heaven, there is a chair to sit down because there is rest through Jesus Christ, not in a day. And so people get so legalistic about what day to worship God. It's very dangerous when people say that there is one way of worshiping God. There was a covenant that God has made with the children of Israel, just like like circumcision. If you've been with us throughout study, circumcision, remember when Paul is sharing the gospel to the Gentiles, there were Judaizers saying, hey, listen, you accepted Christ, you Gentiles? Yeah, well, you know what? I got bad news for you. You need surgery. What do you mean? You got to get circumcised if you want to be saved. That wasn't true. That was works. Paul said, you don't have to do that. People use all these legalism and rules just to put a bondage on people when they could worship and how to worship God. That's what the Pharisees did even for the Sabbath. Oh, you can't carry a rug. They added 13 chapters to the law of the Sabbath. They added 13 chapters to the law of the Sabbath. When the law said rest, 
Pharisees, legalistic people who like to create religion and rules. Ah, that's too too easy. Oh, you can't carry a rug. You can't spit on the ground. You can't make mud. You can't work that day. You can't do this. You can't turn on and off the lights. They added all these 13 chapters. And what did Jesus say? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's what it is. Our rest is in the day. Our rest is not, I mean, the rest is in Jesus Christ. It's not in a day. And so people get all caught up in this. And here's what Paul writes to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 14, verses 4 to 6, he writes, Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or fall. Indeed, we will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. And here it is. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observed the day, observe it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. Here's what he wrote to the church in Colossae. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. He says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. We have more than people that judge. We have people who condemn which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. That's a shadow. All those things the Lord had shown Israel, you know, the commandments, the blood on the doorposts, you know, the lamb, when Jesus is the ultimate lamb. All those things were shadow of the real thing, substance. So people are adapting all these Old Testament, old, you know, commandments, and now are adapting to the church. We've been set free. We've been set free. And people are just taking all these rules and regulate. What, what, what that does is it makes it dangerous. Because now you become legalistic or are false, giving false teaching to someone else. Oh, this is the day to worship God. So are we to be holy just one day? If it's one day, we're to be holy just one day. Do we give our best to the Lord only one day a week? What does that tell you? That's telling me that... God only listens to my worship, and my worship is more powerful on a Saturday or a Sunday. That's dangerous. Why did the early church, why do we worship on the first day of the week? Because Jesus rose on the first day of the week, and it's because he rose on the first day of the week. And it's not only Sunday for us believers. It's not only Saturday or Tuesday, because your Sabbath could be any day. It's good to have a day of rest. We live in a culture where we're so busy, we have time for nothing. But you know what? That's our fault. That's your fault. You don't set a time aside for the Lord and with your family. That's you. You say, oh, I got to work. And so really, you're saying, God, I can't, I don't have time for you. I got to work. Sorry, wifey. Sorry, children. I don't have time for you. I got to work. Or vice versa. Sorry, husband and children. I got to work. It's our fault. We need to set a day, a time aside for the Lord. That doesn't mean if you don't do it in one week, does it got, oh, you're not going to heaven. <laughs> you know, 52 days, 52 weeks in a year, and in three of those weeks, you didn't dedicate one day aside for me. Every day is a Sabbath day for me. Every day is a day of rest for me. Even if I work, I work with a peace in my heart 
because my spirit is resting, is resting on Jesus. My spirit is resting because I have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's done the work. He's the one sitting at the right hand of the Father. I have no concerns. I am resting in my spirit, though I may be working, and the sweat of my brow is just pouring down. I live in rest and in peace. So don't get caught up on the day. We had to park there for a little bit, because there's a lot of that teaching, even to make it his way into the church. People say, what, what day do you work? Oh, it says Wednesday. Okay, you know what? You've just been schooled, so you school them, all right? Anyway, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, what did they do? They came together and break bread. It was a custom. It was a practice in those days that they would get together, and they have a fellowship. They used to call it agape feast. That's why we call it agape fellowship. We have it every first Sunday of the month. I wish we could have it every day. I wish we could have it every week, uh, but time wouldn't allow. Um, people would get tired of making food, and we'll end up with just one bowl of soup and have to split it with everyone else. Um, uh, but, you know, they did it every day. The church, early church did it every day. Here it is, Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to 47. And it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I wish we could break bread every day. Because something happens when you're at the table and you break bread with one another. When we went to Israel, uh, we were together for seven days. We, we had lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. We were getting tired of each other. No, we weren't. We were having a great time. But we were able to know each other a little bit better. When we get back, we see each other differently. You know that. When you, when you invite someone to your house all the time, that person you know better, you know, and, you know, the person that you probably just see on Sundays. And, and that's the one thing that bothers me is that I don't want you to be my Sunday church friend. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're to be a family, and that's what a family does. We break bread together, and that's what the early church did. It, it wasn't a business function. It wasn't a special event or a smorgasbord. It was just people getting together, breaking bread, and, and just loving each other and blessing one another. And what does that It makes the atmosphere like home. We get to eat with one another. Can I tell you, that's, that's what has hurt our culture around the world, as a matter of fact. We don't break bread anymore together. The father is in his room eating his dinner, watching sports, while the wife and the mother is on the phone talking gossip. No, not everybody. Else. Just talking about all kinds of things. What's on sale and eating? Instead of the kid is watching TV, playing video games, and eating. No one is a family together is breaking bread. I encourage you to do that. When you break the bread together as a family, something happened. There is a bond that 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 it just gets stronger and better. It's just, it just unites you. you wanna, you're concerned about who's hanging out with your son, Junior? You want to know who's hanging out with your, with your daughter in the mall? Invite those people to dinner. You get to see their friends. You get to study them. You get to know who they are. Now you know who your kids are hanging out with. Something happens when you break bread. And this is what binds them together. This is what kept the church together. They ate and they broke bread. And it says... Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Paul, knowing that he would only 
He won't see these guys again. Uh, he's in his heart. He has it in his heart. He's going to take the time to, to, to pour into them more about the Lord, more about doctrine, more about theology, and also about structure in the church, instructions for them to continue in Christ and to continue to love one another, to run the race. And in verse 8, it says, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. So you picture the upper room, and we're going to find later on a few verses, that it's in the third floor. And in those days, you know, of course, it was late at night. They, they put up all the lamps. The reason why there were many lamps is because I believe each one of them pretty much had their own light. You know, this is the Apostle Paul. We're taking down notes. This is a conference class. You know, this is college. He's going to leave. I got to take this down because you don't need light to listen to Paul. You don't need light to listen need light to write down, look at the scriptures and write down these things. And this is what they did. And so there they are in the third floor of this upper room. Uh, in those days, the, 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 uh, if, they had, if it was a two-story or three-story, they would have the largest room in the upper room. Sometimes it's also in the roof where they get a, if they're breezed by the, by the ocean. And, but anyway, they, this is where it was in the third floor. And then in verse 9, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sitting, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now, now I don't feel bad when people fall asleep when I teach, because people fell asleep while Paul was teaching, so I don't feel bad, you know? I mean, this is a young man, a young man considered in those days were from the ages, when they call a young man in those days from the ages from 8 to 14. So this is a, very, this is a young man who was there, and apparently he was there, he was listening in, and, and all of a sudden he fell asleep. Fell asleep. And I know how Paul feels. You know, he's probably watching his kid falling asleep, but he was really into teaching. And, you know, you can see, let me tell you something. I can see a lot from up here. I want you to know that. Anyway. Eutychus, a young man, he was sitting there at the windowsill, fell into a deep sleep, fell down three stories, and he was taken up dead. Now, this is coming from Dr. Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. If he said this kid died, he died. Then in verse 10, but Paul went down, fell on him, and embraced him, said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. He just went on over his lifeless body. Just like if you're studying first and second king of Elijah and Elisha, you find that they went over and they healed people. And they, he went over his body just like a shepherd. And he did to embrace the kid and prayed for him. We're going to find that he's, he revived. He revived. It was a miracle. And so this kid falls and he put his body over his lifeless body. And all of a sudden he comes to life. His name, Eutychus, his name means Fortunate, happy, well off. What a good name for a kid who just fell three stories, right? And fortunate for him that Paul was there. I think it's not so much that he lived again, because I think, you know, if you, you, you met Eutychus when you got up there, so listen, how did it feel to fall out the window and come back to life? I said, man, these people, you shouldn't have prayed me. I want to stay in heaven. I want to stay. Don't pray for me, man. I had to go back to oh, in heaven. Wait a minute. People calling me, and then you see Paul. I said, man, really? You guys should have left me there. That's what I say. You pray for me. Chuck Smith says this all the time. He used to say, listen, if I'm getting sick and dying, don't you pray for my health. I know what he's saying. It's the truth. I, I tell you this right now. It's recorded, okay? If I'm dying, don't pray for me to continue living, okay? 
because I believe that I will be standing before Jesus Christ to die, to live as Christ, and if I live it and God says it's time, to die is gain. Don't, I don't want to be like I'm ha- halfway heaven. I'm coming, Lord Jesus. Fruit. I see you guys. Really? We're supposed to encourage people to go to heaven, not to stay here, right? So we know he was fortunate. and He was happy. Now, after Eutychus was revived, you know, Paul put his body, his body over his lifeless body. He came to life. It's a miracle, okay? You know, Luke is riotous. He knows when somebody's dead, no vital signs. Now he knows when somebody's alive. Okay, he prays for him. What does Paul do right after this? Verse 11. Now when he had come up, he went back up, had broken bread and eaten, he had a bite. He took a long while, even till daybreak, to depart. Uh, Paul, we just got a kid laying down there on the floor. Yeah, why don't you just finish the job? Bring him up. Give him something. No, Paul goes right back up and continues the Bible study. Not to midnight. It says to daybreak, till daylight. Continues to talk, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. I can imagine some of the people saying, "Uh, Paul, what about Eutychus? He's still down there. That's right. He's going to be okay. Now listen, guys, I want you to run the race. Paul, you know... He's still in pain, you know. He's going to be okay. His life's in him. Now, I want you to understand this. When I get to Rome, you know, this is him. He's just thinking about ministry, you know. The kid is alive, you know. He'd probably say, you know what, it's your fault. He's back. I don't want to get involved in this. (laughs) You know, I pray for him to go to heaven. You guys pray for him to come to to life. No, I don't know who prayed for what. But just think about this. And he's going back up, and he's just, you know, sharing the gospel. And in verse 12, And they brought the young man in alive, right after Paul. (laughs) And they were not a little comforted. So finally they brought him in, and they were greatly relieved. Now, I believe this is the way God works. The Lord knew that Paul was not going to see these guys again. And to accompany Paul's teaching and encouragement to continue to run the race, to continue with the gospel, continue sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord allowed a miracle And it's to bless their faith, to show them that, listen, the same Holy Spirit that's in Paul, the preacher, the gifts that he had, the same power, it's going to be in you too. You see, many times we see someone, the Lord would raise someone from the dead or someone, the Lord heals them. It's not only for the person to get better. It's not only for the person to come back to life. It's for everyone who witnessed to see that there is a God. We always think it's about the person. No. That's why when you pray that God would get glorified, when you pray for these things, don't pray for that person. Pray that everyone who knows them, the doctors who has the x-ray right in front of them, they see a big black spot. This is cancerous. We have it right here. They go to church that night and come the next day. Boom. It's not there. Who gets the glory? Jesus. And this is exactly how the Lord works. He did this with, with uh, Eutychus so that, you know, he could bless their faith. And this is exactly what we find in Jesus' ministry. In fact, remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Now, Lazarus was really asleep. <laughs> he wasn't just fall. He was really, he was three days in the tomb. You remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? In John chapter 11, verses 40 to 43, it says, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, 
I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Here it is. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when, they have said, when he has said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with clothes. And Jesus said to him, loosen him and let him go. What did Jesus say to his disciples? We see that Jesus prayed this prayer in front of the Pharisees who were there, in front of everyone that was in Martha and Miriam's house for, for lunch. There was a crowd there to witness this miracle. And why did Jesus pray for Lazarus to come forth? Lazarus probably said, Jesus, I love you, man. I love you. But why didn't you leave me? He had to die again. But see, Jesus showed, listen, this is for the glory of God. When you pray for people's sickness, don't pray only, you know, for them to feel better. Let everyone who knows the sickness, how real it is, that you are greater and mightier, and you can do all things. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So all the miracles that Jesus performed, and you read in all the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will do greater works. As long as you're doing it to glorify God. And James says, says, we ask, we ask to miss. That's why we don't get anything, because it's for your own pleasure. We're not saying, hey, Lord, I need a mansion. I need a new Harley Davidson. The other two are just not good anymore. You know, it's not material things, but when you use it to glorify God, God is going to do it. Because why? It's a testimony that he would get glorified. And so the Lord raised Lazarus from the dead. God gets the glory. Jesus gets the glory, and he shows those who are around him of the miracle And this is exactly what the Lord did with Paul. He said, listen, Paul taught us the word. He left, and we saw Eutychus there. He he died. Three stories, man. There's no way. I know the kid was a hardhead, but he could have not survived three stories. That is the Lord, and the Lord used him. So there is power. We know that. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The power which raised Jesus from the grave is in us. And we sing that song too, but the scripture tells us it's in us. So what do we learn from all this? We learn, don't get caught up on the Sabbath. We worship God every day, every day. Every day is a Sabbath for me. Every day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Tomorrow morning, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. That's the heart of a Christian. That's the heart of a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy. Perhaps a family member or a friend or even a neighbor came to mind while you were listening today. We'd love to help you share God's Word. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. 
from one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to runningtheraceradio.com. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 570-296-7367. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at runningtheraceradio.com. Once again, you've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel in Milford, Pennsylvania. In the next edition of Running the Race, Eddie will continue teaching through the book of Acts. So please make plans to join us. On behalf of Pastor Eddie and everyone here with Running the Race, we'd like to thank you for listening today. Join us again for another edition of Running the Race. Running the Race.